You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. AKA Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, today you're going to be listening to my interview with Reese Ruland, who is a gravel racer living in Fort Collins, Colorado. She has a love for endurance racing that began as an ultra runner. Along the way, she's had great opportunities to connect with inspirational guys like Alan from Scratch Labs and work with bicycle companies like Specialize before settling into the life of biking in Colorado. She works and trains hard and it shows. She's kicking ass in the sport of gravel racing and has a fleet of Cervelo bikes to prove it. Along with a sponsorship from Cervelo, she's also sponsored by others, including Fat Tire, which is a tasty craft beer made by New Belgium Brewery. Reese not only has a lot of passion for her sport, she also has passion for the cycling community through some pretty cool organizations like the Cycle Effect. It's obvious she contributes a lot to the gravel community. So here is Reese to talk gravel, nutrition, and her French bulldog loaf. Enjoy. All right, well, on the show today, we have Reese Ruland. Hey, Reese, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing today? Good, good. And uh, we talked a little bit before I pushed record, and I made the the funny, or at least it's funny to me, that I feel like I've known you uh, because I follow you on Instagram, and you are so hilarious and animated and full of, like, <laughs> good stuff. So I appreciate it, and I, I value our fake friendship that we have. I, I love it. <laughs> Although you it's don't good. know me, I feel like I know a lot about at least your Instagram self. Yeah, which is, you know, so sometimes so different <laughs> right. than yeah. our, our true selves, or at least we show people. No one hangs their dirty laundry out to try. But, right. Um, right. Yeah, I would say, like, my personality is likely not different. I'm, like, from the <laughs> East Coast, uh-huh. and so I'm, like, abrasive and assertive and very sarcastic, and I, I think that probably... Maybe it may probably rub people the wrong way, but whatever. Um, <laughs> right. That's how it maybe come across. Yeah, they don't have to look, I guess. But um, well, yeah. I have you on the podcast today, um, well, because of your Instagram, but mostly because of your um, what you talk about with gravel racing. And so hopefully yeah. you have a lot of um, information and adventures that you can share with us. But um, getting into gravel racing, tell us a bit about where you live now and what the cycling culture yep. is like there. Yeah, so I live in Fort Collins, Colorado, Ooh, which is about, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's like an hour and 15 north of Denver. Um, and But I'm originally from the East Coast, so like very different style of riding there. Mm-hmm. And in Fort Collins, um, we, the culture in for like cycling is incredible. And I think that's primarily the reason why I am stayed within cycling. Um, you know, I think I, you know, I was an ultra runner in before this doing ultra marathons and I, I liked that community and then you realize that running 50 miles all the time is kind of hard and so um endurance cycling seemed like another masochistic way that I could I don't know kill my time right. and um turns out like the cycling community in Fort Collins is just like second to none like the the people there are so supportive so nice it's mm-hmm. not elitist or you know like a I don't even, it's not snobby, which I mm-hmm. really enjoy. It's just like, go ride however you want, wherever you want, have fun. Um, the The gravel roads in general there are, I love them. The gravel is very different than like Kansas. Mm. Um, it's it's a little easier um, until you get to the mountains, but that's not Fort Collins. But yeah, if we go east towards, you know, Kansas, Nebraska, obviously like pretty flat, rolly-ish. Um, but super fun. Mm -hmm. There's a place east of Fort Collins called Pawnee Grassland. Um, And I recently did like a hundred miles out there and it's like this protected grassland um, that touches uh, Colorado, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Oh, wow. Um, You can make a route. We made a route that goes into all of them, Mm -hmm. which was pretty cool to do. Um, And it's an hour from my house. And then, then, of course, like you can head west 
and go up to Red Feather Lakes, which is a really weird, eclectic mountain town. That's not like a mountain town. It's mm. like a mountain village, and there's tons of dirt roads up there. Mm. Um, you just got to be in for a long day. Um, mountains are always it's always harder than you are imagining. Like Strava, whatever tells you whatever route you've planned like five hours it's like that's not right um and the nice thing about you know fort collins well let me back up i live in iowa and the town the town that i live in um we literally have a mountain but it's called mount trashmore because it's a landfill oh my god so and you know we're talking the elevation is 800 feet so i do i brag that i you know have a great view of a mountain out my uh condo but it's probably not the same as the views that you have in Fort Collins. <laughs> no, slightly different. I I am, you know, it's interesting, and this is off topic for cycling, but, you know, before I moved to Fort Collins, I, I was going to college in Washington, D.C., and mm. I saw the light, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Colorado State University, and um, I graduated in 2010, which makes me old at this point, but I... I've I tried moving away from Fort Collins like multiple times and I've lived in like 17 different places wow. before I was like 30. Um, I was like a bit of a nomad and then for Fort Collins for whatever reason and especially maybe just Colorado, but definitely Fort Collins. Um, I've tried leaving three different times and every time I've come back and <laughs> I think you just get to this point of just acceptance. Like I, I literally have found like the perfect place yeah. for me yeah. and like my personality and my activities. And it really is like a oasis for mm-hmm. someone that is a cyclist and a trail runner. Nice. And, and who loves beer. I was going to say, I don't know if you're a beer drinker, but I believe Fort Collins is the home of New Belgium Brewery, right? Yes. They are one of my uh, very generous sponsors. So oh, I, um, excellent. Yeah. So Fat Tire sponsors me. Um, and so I get I get a bunch of bunch of beer and um, I I love that company and mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. and just everything they've done to support the cycling community. Yeah, I have a New Belgium cruiser hanging in my living room because it matches my furniture. So it's like a that's awesome. It's that's like so an, cool. an art piece that I suppose I could get it down and ride it if I really wanted to. But yeah, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to go to Fort Collins and get the VIP tour at New Belgium. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm jealous of where you live, but you know, I guess it's my choice to not live there. But anyway, um, (laughs) back to biking. What was your motivation to get back into cycling as an adult? Or maybe you never stopped cycling? Yeah, it was like a weird path that was disjointed. And in college, I like bought like a crap bike from like Walmart, and it got two flat tires on the first day I rode it to class. (laughs) And my sister was like, no, you've got to get a road bike. So I bought one. It was like a Jameis Ventura Sport or something. And it was $700. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the best, most expensive bike (laughs) anyone has ever owned. And I was so possessive of it. Um, I still have that bike. Oh, nice. Um, But then I just kind of like I would skip class to ride and whatever. And but when you when you train for like ultra marathons, like you just end up running all the time Mm -hmm. and have no energy for anything else. But um. So I kind of, it just went away for several years. And then I think it was in 2014, I'm friends with um, Alan Lim, who founded Scratch Labs. I'm mm. not sure if you're familiar yeah, sure. with them. And Alan, wonderful guy, just so nice and funny and positive. And he, I don't even know how we were talking. We were making like rice cakes. And he was like, hey, I have a, a Cannondale CAD 10 for sale if you wanted to buy it. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll check it out. And it was like $1,200. Um, it was super nice. It was never ridden. Um, and so I ended up buying that. And again, I was like, this is the most expensive bike <laughs> ever. And once I got that bike, it was like everything happened after that. Like I got that bike. I started working at a bike shop. Um I, all of my friends became cyclists. I was super ingrained in that community. And then the, a woman who's become one of my closest friends now is at the time she was a sales rep for specialized and now she Mm. does marketing for them, but she was like, you need to go work at specialized. Mm. And so, um, within like a month I was hired and I moved to California and 
works at headquarters in global marketing and um <laughs> and it like it just progressively snowballed and I kind of attribute most of it to Alan mm-hmm. um so I am like forever indebted to him whether he wants that or not because <laughs> he's, he's it's honestly like shaped most of my uh, life after, you know, for the past four, how, six years. How cool say. is that? And we should point yeah. out what Scratch Labs is because if people yeah. don't know about it, first of all, shout out to Scratch Labs, but go ahead. Yeah. So Scratch is, it started off as a hydration company and mm-hmm. mostly just making drink mixes um, to replace all the electrolytes that you lose through sweating and activity. Um, and then they've branched out to do like a daily, um, hydration and like super salty, uh, like hyper hydration. Um, and now they do recovery drinks, mm. um, like a high carb mix. They do cookbooks. They have um, nutrition bars. Um, and like in the summer, it is like definitely for me, like one of the most vital things to have mm-hmm. while I work out. Because Especially women in general, our, our sweat tends to be a little more concentrated than men. And so we lose a lot of salt and um, we just get super lightheaded and faint basically afterwards. Um, so it's really imperative to make sure you're placing that because water just doesn't do it. Right. And especially for you, cause you're doing endurance. So you're not on a yeah. 20 minute, you know, ride to the grocery store. You're exactly you're in it for the long haul. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in Colorado, it's an arid climate. And so if you're going off like how much sweat you have on you, it's such a bad indicator because mm. it evaporates immediately. So you never, I never sweat enough to actually like feel drenched in sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you get back home and you take off your kit um, and you put on your regular clothes. You're like, Oh, I must've lost weight means water weight. Um, but <laughs> right. I'd be like, I didn't sweat that much. Right. Like, oh, you're sweating a lot. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, let's get in specifically to gravel racing and gravel riding. And, yeah. you know, everyone knows that there's plenty of ways to ride a bike, whether it's on pavement or mountains or fat tires, whatever it might be. Um, somehow you got into gravel racing. So maybe give us a highlight of how you got to that point. Yeah, I think for me, the there's definitely parallels between the, you know, subculture that is ultra running and the one that is gravel racing, you Mm -hmm. know, ultra running. I got into that because I was hyper competitive in high school um, and just eventually got tired of that and felt disconnected with like my body and what I was doing. And um, it felt just too stressful. Mm. Um, And, so my outlet was running very long distances as fast as I could in beautiful places that were, you know, remote. Like I just did not want to be around people. Mm-hmm. And so gravel has that parallel for me where it satisfies that need of um, ex- exploration, a really great community, seeing new places. And I think like the community is probably the biggest thing. And I think the similarity um, is that, in gravel, everyone races together mm-hmm. and everyone has kind of a different goal, which I appreciate. Um, like for running, you know, I am definitely maybe more competitive or like the goal is not to just finish. Like the goal is to do very well. Um, but there are people that are like, I just want to finish running 50 miles. And same with gravel. Like you can be someone that's like, I want to win this. Mm-hmm. Or you can be like, I just want to feel very satisfied with the accomplishment um, and myself. And Mm -hmm. like, I love that you can just make it whatever it is you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I have never actually been in a gravel race, but from what I see, um, it's just such a different experience than like a tour de France kind of road racing. Yeah. You're, you know, like you said, you're probably have enough time that you can interact with the people around you. You're not like, you know, shoving elbows, trying to get to yeah. a good position. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know, I've met so many fun people um, during some of these races. Mm. But like that to me, whether or not I'm trying to do well, like I just, I don't know for me if that's like the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um 
which I mean that maybe it's getting too existential, but I think like at the end of the day, I don't know if like winning, sure, it's definitely gratifying, but like the connection with others and the shared experience Mm -hmm. is perhaps the greatest good that comes from all of this. What's it like for women in gravel racing? Is there a good following or is it something up and coming? Um, I think both maybe. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think it's very competitive. I think, you know, it's a newer sport. Yeah. So it's going to be growing no matter what. Um, I think the, it's interesting because, um, regardless of what gender you are, the, um, the fact that everyone races together does present a problem for women. Mm. It's a, it's a problem and it's a benefit, right? Like I am allowed to sit on and draft behind a male mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to be going faster than a female counterpart part. Generally speaking, um, like men are, they're stronger. Like just, we got to accept that. That's fine. Not all of them. I can beat some of them, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but generally like, that's a benefit for us. But then, you know, you get into like regulations, like can women draft? Can you get outside help? Can Mm. someone carry your bottles? And so it's, it's interesting because, you know, it started off as like this counterculture, um, but like any counterculture, then it becomes too mainstream Mm. and then road racers start coming into it and it becomes a road race uh, or it just becomes mainstream. And, and then everyone's like, well, we want regulations to make sure it stays indie. And I don't know how I feel about that because I think, you know, some progression is really good. And I know there's some riders that are like, oh, you shouldn't draft. I was like, no, (laughs) like at the end of the day, it's not running. It's not triathlon. You absolutely can draft. Mm. The whole point of bike racing is tactics. Like that's why it's not running. Mm -hmm. Um, Running is an individual sport that doesn't require like teamwork a lot of the time or drafting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think um, cycling is definitely much more tactical. And so anyone that's like, don't draft, don't, you know, have a strategy that's, I don't know, if you aren't allowing that, then just go to be, become a triathlete. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, and speaking of tactics, um, I'm just guessing, you know, I do a lot of touring where, you know, I have self-contained, I have lots of gear on my bike and, you know, tra- yeah. training is different for that event than it is if I'm going to, you know, grab a my mountain bike and go do something like that. So is there special training for gravel that's different than other styles of cycling? Um, I would say the difference is being comfortable just moving or like eating, drinking, whatever mm-hmm. on like really rough roads. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like cornering is a little different. Like I... I forget what race I was doing. It was like Macy's pride, I think. And I had just been training on my road bike all year. I was like, Oh, you know, I should probably actually start doing like some gravel riding and like train on like going quickly around a gravel turn. Mm. And not because I can't do it, but it's just like, it's been a minute and that's not where I want to like be rusty, I guess. Right. So just more about like making sure you have confidence to, um, handle things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just like practicing there. And, and I think the other difference is because gravel racing is definitely more self-contained and I'm someone that doesn't stop during Mm -hmm. races. Okay. It's just kind of like figuring out what your strategy is for nutrition or Mm -hmm. hydration or changing, getting things at aid stations. Um, and so I think that's, that's fun because, um, yeah, you get to, you just get to hem and haw and like form some stupid strategy. And it's just something that my brain enjoys doing for whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, your races may be different, but the ones uh, that currently exist here in Iowa are where you show up, you know, whatever time, six in the morning to get your cue sheets. And that's the first time you're seeing where you're going for the day. And so a lot of people that I'm friends with are like just so excited because they're like, it's going to be great. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea if there's a gas station along the way. I don't know if I'm going to get water. And so it's the mental game as much as the physical. And, you know, like, yeah, there's a couple 24 hour races. And I, it's something I don't think I have the mental um, ability at this point in my gravel 
biking, but gosh, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, the mental thing is definitely really important. And, um, like I, I'm someone that likes to like look at a route prior, mm-hmm. um, and I like upload all of the stuff to my Wahoo and make sure like I've the routes on there so I don't get lost because getting lost is super frustrating. Right. But, um, yeah, there was like this, the course Maisie's pride and I was expecting a hundred mile race. And I think like two weeks before or something, they like released the course and it was 120 miles. Oh. And, and like for me, I was like, whatever, like I, <laughs> endurance is something that I just like, I think I've just like trained myself into being okay with doing no matter what. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, I, 120 miles is a little stretch for that early in the year, but it doesn't really matter. But um, I was like, geez, like, for someone that's like just trying to finish their first century, like that would be a big yeah, twenty like miles an exponential is exponential <laughs> yeah. addition. It's another. It's almost like an hour for some people. Like right. That could be a, a big factor. Right. Um, right. So it, it was definitely interesting. Wow. But it was a fun race. Okay, so another factor is nutrition, and I have to laugh because a lot of your Instagram posts, um, and I'm sure it's you know it's just timing of when you think something is Instagram worthy, but you will be yeah. in the middle of nowhere and you're eating like the sweet sugary like the, <laughs> all the kinds of snacks that you know we all wish we could eat every day. But I just first of all, it makes me laugh because I'm like. There is no way she eats pop tarts every day, is it? Is there a way? <laughs> so, give us, you know, first of all, like, I, you know, tell us how you can get away with eating that, and then also, you know, on a serious note, is nutrition really a big part of racing? Yeah, yeah, and I think first, like, the big thing is nutrition off the bike is also largely one of the most important things. Like my diet generally, and I'm not saying that. Uh, a mostly plant diet is um, the most healthy for everyone, and I, I wouldn't prescribe that to anyone. But for me, typically, I generally like to or enjoy eating like seventy to eighty percent like plant-based things. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never live without cheese or eggs mm. or ribs on occasion or bacon. Like I love that as well. Um, I have a really hard time eating meat I don't know why I just don't like red meat I just have never really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. um and so that that creates problems for like iron and whatnot but um so I think like having a really good nutrition plan off the bike is one of the biggest things Mm -hmm. like just food everyone who's listening like we can do better so do better there Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and on the bike if I'm doing like a stupid adventure ride um so the person I always ride with is George Simpson, and um, he's a million times faster than me. Um, but we have so much fun riding together and just planning big adventures. And so I always like to have something to look forward to, like a mm-hmm. summit or a, a, anything. And so I always pack these most ridiculous food <laughs> items and I was like, are you ready for like treat break? And he has no idea what we're going to have. And oh, I was like, nice. take out some massive, like 600 calories, honey bun, <laughs> which like in any other setting is disgusting. Right. Even the tea. And yeah. Yeah. Like it's just so much like we would never eat that in like my waking normal life. Um, <laughs> but we just like think it's funny and we're not going fast. And so for adventure, whatever ride. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I don't care. Um, and I think for racing, it's totally different. Like, right. I Scratch Labs makes this high-carb, like, high-calorie drink for when you can, when it's harder to eat. Um, and it's better to drink your calories some of the time, which I'm normally not a proponent of drinking calories. Mm-hmm. I'd rather eat. That's super helpful. Um easy to digest things like I have a really finicky stomach um, and this comes from maybe running mm. that I, I don't like I generally forget to eat while I ride um, because in running it's a pain in the ass to eat because mm-hmm. um, you're so much jostling and so um, I am a typical I under consume um, 
which becomes a problem. But um, I would recommend anyone, any woman to read Stacey Sims Roar book. Mm. Um, it is phenomenal. Um, just talking about your phases and why women are not small men and what our nutrition and hydration strategy looks like. And I think it's a really um, great book for any athletic woman to read um, that's looking to, yeah. What was the name of that? Roar, like um, a lion's roar. Okay. And Stacey Sims? Yep, it is. It's incredible. She actually founded Osmos. Um, that hydration company and Mm -hmm. she did help with scratch. Um, and yeah, it's phenomenal. I think, I mean, I, I mean, I love eating pop tarts and almost every ride I eat a pop tart probably at this point (laughs) because I was like, honey stingers were really expensive Yeah, and pop tarts are super cheap (laughs) and maybe just don't eat them in your day to day life. But maybe while you're, if you're doing like a three hour ride, that's fine. Right. Right. Um, well, and that just, but just finding something that works. Yeah, and that just goes to show you that a person's lifestyle isn't all that you see on social media. And so, like you mentioned, no. you know, it's super important to be a, a mindful of what goes into your body when you're not, you know, exercising yeah. and how you live your life daily, which then lets your body accept a six hundred, let's say six thousand <laughs> calorie honey bun because they are. That's all yeah. sugar. Um, but knowing that, yeah. you know, you are a fit person and you are conscious of how you treat your body. So that's, that's a that's good, good tip. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. It's, you know, endurance in general has so many just like screwed up perceptions of eating and body type and all of that, that it's, it's so hard to um, put a blanket statement on what food is going to work for someone, Mm -hmm. Um, especially just like, I just feel like endurance sport in general is just like full of just body dysmorphia Um, and just comparing and like wondering, you know, who's the lean and who's, and what are they eating? And mm-hmm. is that going to work for me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. You got to figure it out. Like I'm, it's taken me a while to like figure things out. And I think I, you know, on Instagram or whatever, will show like pop tarts or whatever. Just like food that is somewhat junk food because I'm like, this is fine. Like you can be a woman or a man like, and quote unquote indulge in something that you normally wouldn't have right. um, simply because like this is like a shining moment like this small stupid snack will bring me joy right. in a very dark place <laughs> and that's that is okay right that's awesome <laughs> yeah uh, and that's a good way to think about it too. Like I'm going to enjoy this because it's bringing me joy, and then I'm going to go yeah. home and have a salad or whatever, or something else. Yeah, that like is good for you. So yeah, yeah. Just don't. We all all have to stop feeling so guilty about whatever it is we eat, yeah. um, and just constantly just try to do better. Like you don't have to ride six hours to enjoy a piece of pizza. Like right. It, you can enjoy that. You just got to let yourself, like, you got to let go of whatever fear you have. Um, and I think that's hard for a lot of athletes. Um, okay, a little gear shift here. A lot of people ask me to ask the people I interview what kind of bikes they have. And I'm going yeah. to just take a wild stab here that you probably have more than one bike. So do you want to maybe share your favorite or a couple favorites and tell us, you know, what bikes you ride and why? Yeah. So at this current moment, and I, I will have potentially another one or mm. something by the time this comes out, I'm not sure. Mm. But um, currently um, I have two Asparos which are Cervelo um, gravel bikes. Mm. One is a 650B um, GRX build that is like very good for sand, big mountains. It has a mountain or it has a dropper post. Um, And that one's name is Comet Mm. because it is, um, it's like blue with like splatter all over it. And 
it looks like a, I don't know, like a Cosmo kind of bike. Nice. Um, and then my main gravel bike is a gold, a sparrow that I've named Theo, like Theobromine from chocolate, um, <laughs> which I thought was funny because I like chocolate <laughs> and uh, Theobromine gives you like really good feelings and whatnot. But um, that is a one by, it's a force axis build. Uh, with like DT Swiss wheels. Um, I, I love that bike. Um, it like, I've ridden a lot of gravel bikes and that one there is like, I know they're going to ask for it back, um, to give me like a different one or something. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, like I, <laughs> the color, the fit, everything is just, they nailed it. Like I cannot say a bad thing about the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fast. Then I have, a Cervelo S3, which is their aero road bike, which is like my daily road bike that I always ride. That one's name is just eluding me at the moment. What? I don't know why. If this bike was listening I know, right I, like, now? I know. It would be so upset. Oh, Phoenix. Okay. That's that one because Phoenix took a while to get to me. So we were just saying it rose from the ashes. Um, <laughs> and that bike is super fast like it, it's like stupidly fast <laughs> so that one's fun i had an r5 from cervello and that one was name was milo mm. and that bike was like extremely light road race bike oh and then the old bikes that i don't really ride anymore i have a custom painted um venge a specialized venge that i um custom designed while i was working at specialized mm. And I still have my Jameis Jameis Ventura Sport. Yeah, Yeah, I still have that. And then I have my Turbo. So I have my little specialized electric bike um, for getting around town when I don't want to drive, which if anyone says that e-bikes are lame, then running to the grocery store on a bike after a big ride is so much better when it's an e-bike and you don't actually have to drive. Yeah, I was going to say, after you've been biking as many miles that you do, um, yeah. it's like getting on a bike to go to run errands doesn't feel quite yeah. the same. <laughs> no, it's exhausting. But it, when you have like a little bit of a pedal assist, it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. And beats getting in the car and wasting gas. Oh my God. I yeah. hate cars. Yeah. Me yeah. too. <laughs> well, what yep. is, what is it about biking or cycling? What is it about it that you love? Um, I think it comes back to like, I'm somewhat of a masochist for endurance sport. And I kind of look at it two ways. One ultra running and running right now is my independent solo activity that I use to like connect with like myself and nature and cycling is way more social for me. Mm -hmm. And it is community. I mean, it's about pushing myself and seeing new places, but it's, it's the people I've met. It's riding with other people. Um, it's a shared experience. That's the most important thing. And it's just easier to explore with someone else than running. And I think I love that more than anything. And, of course, like I love training and getting better and getting faster. Mm-hmm. But I would say that's not my main motivator to ride. It's It's mostly just having enough fitness to keep up with the guys I ride with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I'm not even going to say I dabbled in running because that's false because I'm just, I don't, I don't see the enjoyment in running, but I did, I trained and did a marathon a couple of years ago and, uh, which, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can confidently say one and done, but the motivation to run was not never there. So it was always like a, you know, you look at your training calendar, you're like, ugh okay, I got to go run 10 miles. Like, and I knew that I could never get to the point where I enjoyed it. So, you know, obviously I completed the marathon. I'm proud. Yay, me. But then, like you said, when it comes to cycling, I can still go solo and have a a blast by myself out in nature. But it's the social side of cycling that really keeps me involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's extremely important. Yeah, just the people I've met and I think, you know, I'm sure with you with bikepacking, like it is so much fun to plan a trip, like and just get nitty gritty and like, what am I packing and how's this going to look and where am I stopping and just planning a route? Like it's an obsession piece that like 
if I don't have another adventure or another project planned, like I feel so aimless. And so it's always like something I've got to be planning something. And that's probably the big character flaw for myself. But um, I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, yeah. We are going on a San Juan Huts trip, which guessing you may be familiar with, but we leave from Telluride, Colorado and mountain bike to Moab, Utah. And so there yep. are these huts along the way that are stocked with food oh, yeah. and they provide shelter. But beyond that, we're responsible to carry everything. And so this will be like the first time I actually turn my full suspension dropper post mountain bike into a bike packing bike. And so I am probably more I'm more excited about figuring out how I'm going to put my stuff on it than I am about actually riding it at this point. Yeah. Like, it's just like... I think that's so fun. How am I going to put a jacket and a sleeping bag in this tiny little bag? Like, oh, it's it's really been super fun, too. So I have yeah, a lot of the obsessive. same... It's great. Yeah, the same joy that you get in planning stuff, so... Okay, I stumbled across uh, what's called the cycling effect, and then your name popped up, and you have uh, an organization that you started that kind of goes back to the cycle effect. So I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about it. The cycle effect I learned about from a, a friend of mine who um, she lives in Aspen, and I and she has a place in Tell or in uh, Tucson, and she has like a thing called like the Pace Ranch that helps. It like is a place for teams or companies to kind of stay while they're in Tucson. Mm. And um, so anyway, Pam Alexander, she got me in touch with the cycle effect because I went to her. I was just like, you know, I I need to find like a, a local nonprofit that does something um, to support women in cycling because mm. I am extremely privileged to have all of the opportunities that I do and the resources and I guess like the platforms that I have Mm -hmm. to enjoy this sport and it has impacted my life in such a huge way that um, you get to a point where you're just like you need to give back like it's Mm -hmm. I need to at least try to repay some of the debt that cycling um, that I have to cycling and so I, I started talking to the cycle effect and they're they're growing in Colorado and they're helping. They're in the Mountain West, so it's like Summit County and Vail, Eagle, and Grid Junction, and they help basically um, young girls, generally in minority groups, um, learn mountain biking skills, but also life skills. It's learning about responsibility and you know focusing on school and going to college if you want to do that and. Um, helping them kind of achieve their goals Mm -hmm. and cycling is just kind of like a a really good metaphor and a a really good teaching tool for them and so I start I was like how can I I don't just want to give money to Mm -hmm. a company that seems like a Mm -hmm. cop-out and so I talked to them and we were like okay let's try to do an event and, you know, I, I love showing people Fort Collins. Like, anytime, even people on Instagram that are like, I'd love to come ride there. I'm like, yes, please do. I will meet you. I will ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, let's do a ride in Fort Collins. Um, but, you know, with COVID, I decided to, to change the ride um, to a virtual challenge. But it was going to be donation only. And then all of my sponsors, like Wahoo, Topo Designs, Outdoor Voices, Cervello, Scratch, um, Velocio, all of them, like immediately when I told them, are like, yeah, what do you need? Mm-hmm. We'll give podium prizes, anything. Um, Fat Tire is going to give like beer to everyone. Um, but now with the virtual challenge, we're just going to build awareness around the foundation, do encourage people to donate, um, do like a picture kind of scavenger hunt challenge. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'll just completely subjectively. Um, pick a male and female winner and send them a ton of prizes, nice. um, which will be great. And I think, you know, the cycle effect cared less about how much money they're going to raise and more about just gaining awareness mm-hmm. um, through the, the community so that people know that they're out there. Mm-hmm. And since now you're doing it virtually, can people outside yep. of Colorado participate? Yep, absolutely. Mm. It is. So the, I guess like the scavenger hunt things, you just have to take pictures of 
and prove that you've ridden at least 50 miles, Mm -hmm. you've made a donation to the cycle effect, and it can be anything. It can be a dollar. And then take a picture of you like eating a pop tart, you uh, (laughs) with a bike against like a porta potty or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just, you know, tag me the cycle effect and then use like the old flowers offer it hashtag. Um, And that way on like August 22nd, you should do that. And then August 23rd, I will um, say who the winners are and then, you know, get their contact information and send them everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So August 22nd. Anywhere in the U.S. August 22nd, yep, everybody August 22nd. everybody get training. Yes, you have to do only 50 miles. It's way easier than the route that it was going to be. So I'm, yeah. I will go and do the Old Flowers um, route with a few friends. Um, I just didn't feel that it was like essential for people to travel. Um, and I just it couldn't justify putting people at risk. Right. I'll, I'll uh, try and get a photograph of myself at the top of my mountain here in town, the Mount, uh, Mountain of Trash. Yes, I would love it. <laughs> eating um, a pop tart. Oh yes, eating a pop tart. I wonder if there's a porta. There is a porta potty up there. Oh my gosh! There I've got you the, go. The trifecta you right there. <laughs> I just have to figure out how to get fifty miles out of it because <laughs> that particular location is like one mile from my house. But it could be the end of the ride. <laughs> Who knows? But um, okay, yeah. so you mentioned bikes against a porta potty, and another thing that makes me laugh about you is that you. I don't know how often you run into porta potties, but there's lots of photographs <laughs> of bikes in front of porta potties. So I'm assuming yeah. there's a, a story behind it. Um, and I was just going to jokingly ask you if you've ever considered doing like a coffee table book or a, a calendar of these photographs. Well, it's funny because like I always joke about doing those, and like people oh. on Instagram are like, "Waiting, this one's going to be great for your coffee table book." <laughs> And so, like, it's, part of me is, like, I should just do it because yeah. that would be so, like, oh I would God. get a kick out of it. And, like, some of my friends, they gave me a gift that was, like, a wall calendar of porta potties from, like, you know, the summits of mountains, like, beautiful areas. <laughs> um, but I guess, like, the reason why I do it is because Instagram is, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, like, you're only showing people a very, a small sliver of your yeah, life. Right. Um, and you're, like, you're always, like, oh, I'm always in these beautiful places, these beautiful things. And so, even when I, like, went to Mallorca, or, um, where was I, Girona, you know, there's, like, this several thousand-year-old monastery behind me, and I mm. see this porta potty in front of it, and I was, like, <laughs> oh, this is what I'll get a picture of. That's um, awesome. <laughs> just because I'm, like, you know we only show like the best things. And so all like, basically most of my pitch- pictures from Spain were like <laughs> porta potties that I showed. Even I, mean, I have tons of pictures of like beautiful things, right. um, but it's more just like very tongue in cheek. Like, uh, I don't even, like we don't, I don't even know what we're doing here anymore, but let's just make fun of it. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and it's just become a thing. Instead of like bikes against like a beautiful beach backdrop, I've got you know right. the honey bun or a honey pot <laughs> porta potty. Yeah, I well, I absolutely love it, especially when you put you know a bike that's thousands and thousands of dollars in front of you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to look at first. You know how cool the bike is, the background, or the fact that it's a porta potty. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, I love that Cervella doesn't hate me for doing it. Like. <laughs> Because they have, you know, like these amazing bikes yeah. that I get. And then, of course, I'm like propping them up against a, a bathroom. They get a <laughs> kick out of it. Like the people at Cervelo are so good. So funny. Like I, I'm so blessed and lucky that I've been connected with them for so long. And nice. I think like this week we're actually meeting up. We do like, we started this thing during COVID of like, just like getting together at like 4 p.m. Uh, and drinking wine over Zoom and just having like women in the industry just kind of talk and oh, fun. just yeah we don't even talk about like work sometimes just like hey this is how my week's going and it's um again it's the community right. um, and i was like man i i absolutely love this company and these people and it's phenomenal yeah and then to be able to find the perfect fit of a bike yeah i mean i know that you're on your bike all the time but i know that you know what it feels like when you something's not quite right and you can't figure out yeah. what it is but to find that magic moment is super joyful yeah. cool so one other thing that I have to go back to with Instagram and the thing that I love the most is your dog Loaf 
I mean, my God, this yeah. is yeah. You have a little I, segment on your story called "Mornings with Loaf." I think it's called "Mornings with Loaf." And yeah, every morning I I post a video of Loaf. Yeah, and I I don't actually get on Instagram every single day, so I'm I'm very like I'm sad if I've missed some really good ones. But this dog of yours, I mean, tell the listeners what kind of dog it is and just how yeah. amazing how amazing this dog is. I, yeah, I don't even understand how I got so lucky. Loaf is a, a cream French bulldog, and I had wanted a Frenchie for like eight years, and I've never been responsible or uh, I have had a disposable income that could allow me to purchase that dog. <laughs> um, but as luck would have it, I was able to almost three years ago. Like I think I don't remember me before Loaf. Like I must have been so boring like <laughs> this dog is the best part of me he is hilarious and um like I was so excited for this thing and he um I, like, I don't even know how to describe how goofy he is mm-hmm. and playful and funny but uh he's just constantly like just being a clown and every morning just like seeing him like it is like Christmas for me um waking up and seeing my own dog. Um, and when I travel, uh, whoever is watching him, I like, am so high maintenance that I'm like, can you just send me videos all day of my dog? Like, <laughs> nice. I need this to get through. Yes. And it's, it's interesting. Cause like I'll have people on Instagram, like if I've left on a trip and I haven't done mornings with loaf, like <laughs> they're like, where's loaf? Right. Like, when do you go home? Like, do they miss him as much as I do? Right. And then I've got people that are like, whenever you leave, let me know. I'll watch your dog. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. He's so, I think, like, the thing that I love the most is, like, and, like, Instagram is weird, right? Like, it's it's fake. Um, it's, you're only showing people what you want to see. Right. But, you know, there are glimmers of hope. Like, it's so cool that you reached out to me, um, that, I've met some incredible people through it. And then, you know, with Loaf, I love it because not only like do I watch my own stories over and over again to see my own <laughs> right, dog, right. Um, but like I've had people being like, he makes my day every morning. Like I share this with uh, like my family. And I was like, this is so cool. Like I, like my dog, I just want other people to like be happy. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm able to like make someone's day 15 seconds brighter. And like, if I can do that done, like I'll, I will put a video camera in front of my dog's face (laughs) because it's going to make someone else really happy. And me, like, I think that's like the point for me of social media, just like, yeah, it's sure. It's self promoting stuff, which I hate, but it's ultimately like, it's a connector. Let's try to make people happy. And Loaf is like the best example of that. He's just purely joyful all the time and just goofy and right. a snowball. Right. And he, you know, we all know what LOL means to laugh out loud. And you, yeah. s- you know, I type it all the time. But literally, I will literally laugh out loud when he, you know, you're taking him on a walk and he just will stop and he's like, nope, <laughs> I am not moving forward. Or the best are when you, zoom in on him and he's like completely rigid because I don't know if he's sleeping or what, yeah. but no oh one knows. <laughs> he's a hilarious dog. It is. It's so funny. And like, I know all of his noises. And so like, I'll be in the other room, you know, doing whatever working and I'll, I'll like hear him doing this noise and I know he's doing something cute. And so I like <laughs> fly out of the room to go find him. Like zoom <laughs> calls for work are a disaster because half the time I don't even want to pay attention. Right. Cause I hear my dog doing something cute and I just want to show everyone. Right. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm that super annoying person, <laughs> but I don't care. Oh, awesome. But you have to admit everyone's probably laughing on the zoom call. Oh, my God. Whenever they see him, they're like, oh, well, it makes sense. He's a good boy. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Damn straight, he's a good boy. <laughs> um, I didn't even ask if he was on the call here with us. No, he okay. is not. I had to travel for work, and um, I, I'm away from him for okay. a, a few weeks, which is sad. I'm doing, actually, a bike trip, which I'm really excited about. It's 
in Rapid City, um, bringing awareness to kind of the Black Hills area mm. um, because uh, it, it's a really insane history if anyone has a chance to look it up, just um, how the United States government has treated the Native American population with their land and now them. They're, they've been kind of overlooked. Um, and so I've been working with Cervello on this big bike trip mm. um, and kind of raising awareness for the National or the Native American Heritage Foundation and the Crazy Horse Memorial. Oh. Um, so I'm up here and I'll, I'll be doing that next 5th or the 28th or something okay. of July. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, the action on that. Can you go back and uh, maybe give us the website for the Old Flowers? Yeah. So it's just yeah. Old Flowers Off Road. Um, dot weebly w-e-e-b-l-y dot com um, so yeah oldflowersoffroad.weebly.com um, and everyone can find out kind of about what the challenge is when mm-hmm. it is um, and they can contact me um, if anyone needs anything I'm always happy or just message me yeah find me on Instagram or something like that I'm happy to meet up with anyone and ride and talk Excellent, excellent. Any other passions or businesses or sponsorships you want to plug? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm just really blessed to have, you know, the support of Velocio Apparel and Wahoo, um, Cervelo, Topo, Scratch Labs, and Fat Tire. And um, actually, one of my favorite people to bring it back to the community is uh, a bike shop actually in Seattle that I kind of work with. Um, called the Polka Dot Jersey, mm. and I cannot say enough good things about these people. I have, I don't think I've ever met people that are more passionate and caring about their community and their the people that work for them, um, and just like the surrounding areas. I mean, they are hands down wonderful, um, and it, it's just like startling. And you just are like this this is how, who I should like aspire to be. Um, I should aspire to be like them every day. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Polka dot Jersey. And they're in Seattle. Yep. Excellent. Yep. They're in Seattle. And um, if you want, I can give um, you uh, and anyone that listens or like goes on your website, I can give them like codes, discount codes for Velocio apparel and um, outdoor voices as well. Yeah. Um, I always want to make sure people can get, discounts at any time so excellent it's a bro deal yeah yeah excellent well reese thank you so much for being on the podcast i super enjoyed meeting you in well closer to real life than social media yeah and uh i wish you luck i know been canceled on all the races for 2020 or at least most of them so i'm hoping that you can keep up with fitness and enjoying bicycle so that you can do it again in 2021 yeah thank you so much and i hope um yeah if you are ever this way yeah please reach out i would love to show you around and um yeah i'm just really uh flattered that you reached out uh to me i i think i'm i'm pretty average and so <laughs> this was very flattering <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right well thank yeah. you so much Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much, Reese, for taking the time to chat today. You are far from average and a very inspiring woman to know. You can check out Reese's August virtual cycling event by going to oldflowersoffroad.weebly.com and find out how you can participate. If you're in Seattle, be sure to stop by the Polka Dot Jersey Bike Shop and tell them Reese sent you. Also, in the show notes, you can find the discount codes that Reese mentioned. As always, if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. You can go to morphologypodcast.com to find good info. And I also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to see videos of some of the places I bike, check that out. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote comes from Reese's very entertaining Instagram page and is written by Anne Rand. The question isn't who's going to let me, it's who's going to stop me. Think about it. Mm-hmm.